everyone. Uh, welcome to the second episode of the Data Disciples podcast uh, with uh, Kian Ravenshit and, uh, and I, Dennis. Uh, nice to see everyone. And uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, data privacy and alternative data. So um, well, I hope you enjoy. And um, Kian, I'll let you uh, begin. All right. Yeah, thanks. So uh, good to be back already for the second episode. Um, I quite enjoy making podcasts now and messing around with uh, intro music, apparently. Um, but uh, yeah, so this week, a very hot topic, uh, because obviously we're in the data space ourselves at GoQuant. And, uh, you know, we deal with essentially, usually aggregate info about people. But I think as your ability to collect analytics is evolving, we're seeing more and more that there are opportunities, if there are bad actors out there, that they can take that aggregate data and actually try and like isolate and identify specific people, um, you know, based on basically as computing power grows, you know, and as quantum computing becomes a thing, uh, really the possibilities will be endless. So. Yeah, recently, I think we saw, Dennis, this uh, data provider um, in in the sort of science and technology field. We saw that they had this, uh, they have this application where you can track, uh, where you can view tweets and basically determine where someone shops and how they vote, right? Yeah, so, so I was at this conference and, and the, the founder, he was giving a demo, a live demo. And um, and he was basically saying how he sold this solution to um, to a retail store like like Target and Walmart, and um, and he was basically explaining how um, how this company tracks um, political donation pol pol political donors um, where they shop based on their their advertising clicks, um, and this is like down to like not even the neighborhood, but like the block of, of where the person lives. So you could correlate that to um, the person's weight, the person's height, um, where, who, which party they're affiliated with. And then the end result would be to find out where they shop. So Walmart versus Target. And according to that, you know uh, which stock to invest in, Walmart or Target. But you could also sell that on the corporate side to Walmart or Target. So really, they, they have the ability to uh, kind of like uh, profit on both ends. Yeah, think of them as like the big brother. <laughs> I, um, you know, I don't know what I think about it because sometimes I think like, okay, well, the data is out there anyway. And like the subject matter of the data is not necessarily, um, you know, sensitive. But at the same time, then I realized like, okay, these firms are using this data to make all sorts of like correlations. Uh, and they'll, they'll like correlate, let's say, you know, your spending habits to, uh, to let's say like, whether you should one day, it'll be like, who goes first on the organ donor list or something like that, you know? And then like, that's where I sort of see it getting a little more freaky and concerning. But another, another like thing that really struck my eye this week when I was reading uh, an article about like 
data privacy issues is how firms are using purchase history and essentially they're they're all like pooling purchase history to the afterwards they'll set up cities they'll they'll sell that data to like cities and cities will use it to decide like where to do urban planning improvements and whatnot so like if people are let's say you know buying a lot of 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 construction materials and whatnot it might lead a city to believe there's a lot of renovations going the neighborhood is gentrifying whatever and then they're going to uh, focus all of their infrastructure improvements on that particular neighborhood and i just feel like you know, who, is there any human being, not computer, like a human being that actually understands how that works, that can control that algorithm and that machine learning model for the stats against like errors and biases and whatnot? Because I don't know about you, but I sometimes, I don't even understand, like when we get past, you know, moderate level statistics, I, like I start to, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's just let the computer do the thinking, right? Yeah, well, that's when they advertise that they hire like 50 MIT PhD mathematicians or statisticians, and then it becomes like a big fluff and say like, oh, we, we, we crunch the numbers, we know how it works, like, no, you're not, the computers are doing it. Uh, so there's a point where it all becomes self-directed. So like the, the ultimate goal is to have like um, this advertisement in our information, in our data set or um, this this uh, uh, this end goal like has to be exploited through this data set. Um, so that's the ultimate goal in these types of firms that, that are on like the, the borderline of uh, data privacy issues and risks. So um, going back to that demo in that company we, we spoke about earlier, um, someone in the audience asked a question pertaining to this, like, this data isn't really anonymized it's very personal and and the, the founder's defense was pretty much like well we don't attribute a name to it so it's it's anonymized so i mean just because there's not a name does that mean that you're allowed to collect literally like every piece of information of where every where the person goes where they live uh, and what they do um i think there's a line where it's where it's where it's crossed um, and, and there definitely needs to be some regulation or, um, or just some like moral practice in general around that. So, and like, what do these companies do in, in right after they sell that data to the, uh, companies themselves for marketing and hedge funds and large institutions for alternative data. So they could use for trades. It's interesting because I mean, that that's also something that uh, kind of interests me. A is how like all of these data collectors that they themselves might not have anything to do with finance, like they're like used for political purposes or whatever. But eventually, the finance kind of community finds a way to leverage the data. So that like and that that's interesting for me on its own. So like how they're kind of they're I think they're ahead of the curve, the finance community in terms of in terms of like knowing the utility of having all of these seemingly mundane types of data that they're using to drive decision makings in finance in a very not mundane field. That that to me seems interesting. And I wonder if you know why that is, A. 
And B, second part of my question to you is like, I don't know if you're aware of GDPR, like the general data protection rules in the EU, right? Which is, it's basically like, so in Canada and in the United States, we have a lot of privacy legislation that protects people from privacy intrusions by government. But in the European Union, on top of that, they have rules that actually protect even people from privacy. They give their certain rights that people have to their privacy that even in a contract, you can't sign that away. Like companies have to give you the option to download all of your data, delete all of your data and stuff. And here we have that when we're dealing with the government, but we don't have it with, um, with uh, you know, private companies. So like, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so the first part of your question, specifically on um, data and finance and why they've come around, why the finance community has come around so quickly to grasp these, um, these new and detailed data sets. So any institution that can have their hands on more data will have it. Um, and they effectively have um, near unlimited budget. So if you're like a firm like Bridgewater or Citadel, um, or like AQR, so like big quant firms with big quant departments, they're going to have very large budget, budgets to spend on data, any data that comes across their, their, their table, really. So uh, at the same conference that I was at, you had uh, the, the chief data scientist for Goldman explaining how they correlated sunspot data, so basically like changes in the sun's magnetic field, to investment performance. Um, they scraped Spotify records um, on, on song and music analytics and correlated that to strong um, stock market performance. Um, so these outrageous data sets that seemingly have no uh, correlation or purpose really have a perfect statistical correlation and that's why they use them. So no matter how much uh, how little sense they make if it's data, it's data, and they're going to find a way to, to apply it to their models. Right, uh, right. Because any way that they can, they're just trying to make money. So whether that's invading people's privacy or just finding another source of data, they're going to do it. Um, because the truth is, and this is the whole purpose of alternative data, traditional data like stock prices isn't enough anymore. Uh, because it's harder and harder to uh, to get uh, market beating returns that way. Um, specifically, if you're trying to get a better uh, risk to reward ratio. All right. So, All right. so these that's the reason why the finance the financial sector has caught up so quickly, and the advertising sector or the corporate sector hasn't come up to par yet because there are more. Uh, like, okay, it has to go through this department. Um, we have to run it by a few people and then it'll be like two years before it gets approved by one big company. So this process kind of, of, of finance, the financial firms makes it much easier for them to get the data that they want and apply it. So the second part of your question on, um, on data privacy laws so in the so the EU and California specifically have very um, sensitive data policies. So California, uh, they're like the only state in the U.S. that has like like many websites have like California only. Um, yeah, do not sell my information. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. at the end of the day, companies are still going to violate these policies because who's who's watching? It's <laughs> the government isn't watching because they're they're the ones who are taking all the data in the first place. Uh, so for like intelligence agencies and everything. Um, I mean, have you ever watched um, uh, Snowden? Of course, of course. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, just the things that, that he's exploited, whether you like him or not, he's exploited a lot of, a lot of um, tactics used by, by uh, world governments. And I mean, the government should be the last people to try and regulate uh, privacy because they're invading everyone's privacy. Um, so if you look at what the blockchain is trying to accomplish, there's no need for governments. And that's why some governments are so scared of the blockchain. So even if you forget cryptos, cryptocurrencies completely, the blockchain technology is the most important, the most valuable asset in this whole um, DeFi space, decentralized finance. So um, that's like the biggest uh, move behind this. And, uh, and that's the only way that you could stop it. Because as I said, companies are going to do it anyway. Like Facebook had to pay like a $2 billion fine to the EU for violating this, this privacy law by the EU. Um, and well, the governments are doing it themselves. So like, where is the privacy here? It's nowhere. That's where blockchain comes in. It's almost like an every, every, uh, every man for himself type situation. Like you could protect your privacy if you want sort of situation. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny you mentioned like blockchain because I was just thinking about remember uh remember um GameStop and and remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those days, good old days. But um but no, like so I just like for me that's the number one argument for decentralized finance was like when or not the number one, but it's definitely the frustration from when Robin Hood halted trading of GameStop shares is definitely a driver for me of decentralized finance taking center stage, you know? For sure. Though. And, and the whole motivation behind Robin Hood being created was like, okay, zero commission trades, which I mean, is, is, um, nonsense anyway because they bump up the execution price yeah but yeah um, and they change the bid ask uh, spread but um, uh, even if like you put <laughs> you put that aside um, like the no commission policy or marketing um, plan that they have is all based on like a free um, open uh, kind of decentralized yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, platform. Right. Um, and, right. and I mean, that's completely nonsense if you look at what happened with the GameStop situation. So like by regulatory standards, like, yes, they might have had to comply by by the rules and shutting down the, the trading. But I mean, why weren't the institutions cut off as well? <laughs> that that kind of raises the, the question as to like what why were they founded in the first place if they're going to go against their their mission because i mean it's clearly not illegal if the institutions are going to be allowed to do it but robin hood themselves are banning all the traders while going behind their back telling citadel and having meetings with like ken griffin um to pump up the stock even more after hours and then dump it so this whole like movement behind it is behind like the creation of robin hood 
creates a lot of um, uh, not a greenwashing effect, but a similar effect, effect for uh, decentralized finance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think sort of there is a part of that which motivated us. Um, I mean, the same sentiment, I guess, is behind the reason that we want at GoQuant to like cater to the retail investors with the same data sets that the institutionals get because of the fact that we found it frustrating that there's like two, you know, two sets of rules. Like we're trying to get data for our own money management purposes. And uh, we can get like, you know, 5% of the data sets that the banks or the other big players can get. And like, I find that pretty frustrating because we're just as we have the same risk exposure as any other market player, uh, you know, if we trade the way they trade. So, yeah. So like a part of that, I think the same sentiment that people had about Robinhood doing what they did is drove us to do what we're doing now. For sure. So like the number one component of all this, like, even if you forget like the privacy aspect is price. So, I mean, is, are the markets really fair if the information driving it costs you 10, $20,000 a month per data set to access? Like, not really. Um, so we wanted to address that problem by providing low cost data sets or just making that data free, like to, to view within a platform, right, uh, right. which we have, which was the, the entire purpose of, of GoQuant to deliver this information to retail clients while catering to the institutional side. So we cover right. the broad right. spectrum. So right. that way we right. eliminate the, 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 the unfair practices which are preached by a lot of these institutions um, while providing these um, alternative and, and, and high quality and hard to access data sets. And in terms of sort of like, I guess, in terms of the whole cryptocurrency space and whatnot, like, I don't think right now there's yet a huge institutional demand or is there for, uh, for, cryptocurrency data? So a lot of them have actually feel like they've missed the boat. Um, so crypto has moved so quickly. They feel, they feel, they feel like they've missed the boat. They feel. They feel. Okay. They feel. Okay. Yeah. So like within the past few years, um, like institute, like the way that the crypto markets have changed is like very drastic. So like you have all these light coins and you have the shit coins as well. Um, which are just, um, I mean, they've turned into like billion dollar, like hundreds of million dollars in market cap for, I mean, you could call them something like, like, yeah, they do have a value, but effectively nothing. Um, so, so all these, all these institutions feel like they've missed this entire move and they need to catch up so they could play the long, they could play the short side, they could do crypto lending. Um, they could get into uh, the, the crypto derivatives, so like futures options. Um, there's like a whole um, range of, of trading opportunities to be exploited within the crypto markets, which already have been exploited in 
equities, futures, uh, and and forex markets. So there's a there's a huge range of potential that's available to institutions, which is untapped. Interesting. So I guess you know there's going to be some interesting data we can generate as well. Like once we have some more institutional customers purchasing crypto data, we could probably you know get into just general data sets about decentralized finance, other decentralized finance players as well. I, I just feel like that's the natural way to go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like now we have a crypto and NFT data set, but we're going to expand on that uh, much more as our product product offerings um, increase and, um, and, and time goes on and we, we acquire more users. Um, and um, we have like yeah. 70, Apparently, like seventy different characteristics for each NFT, right? Oh, over seventy. That's just like for the basic data. But if you look into the actual transactions, like it can be like hundreds uh, per NFT. And there's like on just on OpenSea alone, the biggest NFT marketplace, there's over like seventy-five million NFTs listed. So, like, yeah, it's it's a lot of data. Um, so, I mean, we're we're happy to be able to provide that to retail and institutional clients, which, which is yeah. hard to do. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I uh, think we know what next episode is going to be about. Um, we're going to talk about banking as a service and more about decentralized finance. Um, we're going to see if we can get a privacy expert to come on as well and talk about how, um, you know, companies can protect themselves. So not just the issue, but just generally how we can make sure as organizations that we're taking the right steps to protect our private information, our employees' private information, stakeholder private information, and uh, comply with all of the laws and regulations. So uh, with that, thank you for joining us today. This was the Data Disciples episode 0002 on Monday, January 17th. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.